Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. Today, we're talking about finding your voice with Timothy Atik. T.A., welcome back, brother. John, thanks for having me, man. Good to see you. <laughs> You're Good like to a, be with you. Uh, it's so fun. You're becoming a regular in here. Uh, let's start. We can start a lot of places. Let's start with tennis. Yes. Uh, recently, which is <laughs> the natural place to start. Recently, you shared with our body some of your tennis aspirations. Yes. I really want to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time, uh, in the 41-year-old age bracket of Richardson, Texas. <laughs> so that's, I'm, I'm nowhere close to that. I might not ever get there, but that's that's where my sights are right now. <laughs> so there's two things. We're supposed to be uh, specific, and we're also supposed to <laughs> yeah. dream big, like yeah. dream really big. So you got at least one of those yes, going for you. Yeah. yeah, specific, and for me, it's a pretty big dream. So uh, so funny, so funny. Well, recently you did this talk with our staff, and right afterwards I just hit you with a text, yeah. and I was like, man, where were you in my 20s? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll see you in the podcast. And so here we are, which, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of young people on mm-hmm. our staff, and so I just watched it resonate. And it is it is going to be incredibly helpful for those who are young. I also think I'd love to talk about at the end those of us who are not 20. Yeah. And uh, I think that there's um, a lot of takeaways here. Uh, and so we're just going to use the outline that you gave. Um, we also are creating a PDF at the end. You're going to give them an action item yep. on how they can kind of drill down on some of this. And so there will be in the show notes, there'll be a PDF of kind of this exercise that they can, you know, grab a journal and, and think through, which I think will be really, uh, really, really helpful. So, okay, we're going to talk about finding your voice. That was mm-hmm. a talk that you gave. So just let's let's start with the definition of the terms. So what does like your voice, what does that even mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah, when I use, when I, when I refer to finding your voice, your voice is simply how God has wired you to lead and communicate. Yeah. So it could be verbal communication, could be nonverbal communication, but it is simply how God has wired you to lead and communicate. Right. Okay. So good. So when you hear this, don't just think uh, my uh, ability to preach, the way I preach, the mannerisms I use, it's part of it. Yeah. Uh, but really it's your own style of leadership and there's lots of different ways uh, to lead well. And, yeah, yeah. So as you're listening to this, it's good for you to just think about your context. So if you are preaching regularly, then, then a lot of this will feel immediately applicable just because that's what I do on a regular basis. That's how I use my voice. So the illustrations that I use are in regard to preaching, but you just have to think about what context you lead and communicate, whether you're counseling someone or leading a small group Bible study or uh, leading your team, whatever it looks like, you just have to figure out where you lead and communicate most. Okay. That's really good. Uh, TA. Well, let's, let's just jump in. Uh, if you're good with that, you gave us, uh, six points, basically six things we should do. One thing that we shouldn't, uh, and the, your first point was that we are to identify the leadership voices that we admire most. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So it's just, it's it's good to look back and discern the shaping voices in your life. Your leadership style, your communication style, I guarantee you it's been informed by by various people in your life. And I think it's I, I always encourage people to have a list of people. You know, for me I can look back and and think, you know what, I learned how to have hard conversations from different people at Watermark, or I learned how to tell a story from watching Greg Mott. I learned how to land a plane from watching Louis Giglio. I learned how to see each individual person in a counseling setting from uh, Brian Mountjoy and Andy Davenport. Like it's, it's good to have a list of people that have shaped your voice. Yeah. And when you figure out who those people are, that's where you can begin to figure out what your voice should look like. So, you know, when I help people 
when when I encourage people to discern who those people are, I encourage them to do a few things. Yeah, I would just say number one, pinpoint what you admire most about them. Like, what have you learned from them, and then uh, find out what they they did to do what they do. I remember my friend Greg Mott. He said a lot of people. He's the senior pastor at Houston's First Baptist yeah. Church. So, and he was the founding director of Breakaway Ministries. And he said. A lot of people want to do what I do, but not many people want to do what I did. Yeah. And I just think that that's so important. I think about my own journey. A lot of people would like to be one of the teaching pastors at Watermark Community Church. But, you know, in my past, I was a student pastor to a group of 30 people and just kind of faithfully served in that setting. And I was a summer intern at a church for many years in a row and then moved to a college ministry where if if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen because I was the janitor and I was the administrative assistant and I was the communicator. And, it, and so there was a journey to yeah. getting to where I am now. Um, and so it's just a reminder to say yes to small opportunities to cultivate your voice. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, there is a convergence at the end of your kind of leadership journey where you're focusing in on the things that, yeah. you know, that uh, you get a lot of energy uh, from, that you're really good at, you get a lot of feedback. Uh, but it's genuinely a pretty long yeah. slog. Uh, you go from there. being a generalist to a yeah. specialist, but yeah. you don't just start as a specialist. Yeah, that's alone. good. Okay, so pinpoint what you admire most. What's yeah. next? Yeah, and then I would say uh, learn from them without trying to be them. You know, for me, the reason that I like to talk about this topic is that uh, I've spent a lot of my life trying to be someone that I'm not. Like, I, I've spent a lot of that time. I, For a long period of time, uh, there was my, my youth pastor was someone that I ended up interning for. And I realized at a point in my life that I wasn't trying to be like him. I was just trying to trying to be him works for him I you just know it worked for him so uh, and his his personality was just so compelling and then you know when I was young in my communication I was listening to Matt Chandler all the time and uh so I was trying to be Matt Chandler on the stage I remember one guy after he heard me preach he was like you know what it reminded me a lot of the village church and that was his gentle way of saying subtle man you got to find really your own subtle. you got to find your own voice you know or else you're going to be like David trying to wear Saul's armor. It hmm. just it just doesn't fit. And so, you know, it's good to learn from people without trying to be be them. You know, a great a lot of great communicators have very distinct mannerisms. Mm -hmm. And that's why people might be drawn to them. But if those mannerisms are their mannerisms. Yeah. So when you make them yours, it just feels a little inauthentic. Yeah, I so sent you a clip. I sent you a clip this uh, last week, and and I just said, watch for one minute, who is this? And it was a dead ringer yeah. um, for a communicator that's very well known. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know this individual. I actually I went on to listen to a little bit of the sermon. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. But the first one minute, it, I felt like you could have done uh, some kind of deep fake and just put the head, you know, uh, on there because the body was exactly, exactly yeah. the same. And yeah. I think that's going to happen some, you of know, as, as you're exposed. And that's a compliment to, to yeah. those people. Yeah. But you want to make but sure. But you want to find your own. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Really, really, really good. For sure. And then, uh, you know, my other encouragement is admire them without idolizing them. So like good. they are, they are imperfect and their leadership is imperfect. And we all have strengths and we all have constraints. And so if you idolize someone, 
you might even start emulating their weaknesses. So, I mean, I think about this time where, you know, a leader that I really respect, but um, he has a really strong personality. And I watched him uh, in a conversation just be controlling and manipulative. And I found myself in a conversation. It's interesting because as I was preparing for this, I remember that. I just this week went back and asked forgiveness from that person that in that conversation, I found myself doing what that leader that I respect was doing. But that wasn't the aspect of their leadership and their communication that I should have been learning from. And so it's just good to realize that everyone's imperfect and some of their habits might not be healthy. And you should try and identify what those are and learn from those as well. Excellent. Okay. We're going to move on. Anything else uh, on this one here? Identify your leadership voices you admire most? Yeah. I I would just encourage you to go thank them. I love it. You know, go thank them for the investment that they've made in your life. Even if you've just learned from them from afar, hey, send them an email, send them a DM and just thank them for their their investment. Yeah, well, and you will be, um, I think you'll be encouraged, but people just, they don't come back and say thanks. We talked about this on the, yep. you know, on the, on the podcast, you, Jesus heals, uh, 10 people, one come, That's one right. comes back and, uh, and says, thanks. 10 people were radically impacted that yep. day. Only one came back. Yep. We, we yep. need to be good uh, at saying thanks. So, okay, yep. great. So number one is identify leadership voices that you admire most. And number two is diversify the voices that you learn from. What do you mean by that? Yeah, my point is that our tendency is to kind of find our camp in the people that we love most, those kind of one, two or three people, and uh, you only listen to them. But you know what? There's a lot of different people that can really shape your voice in a really positive way. So what I mean is, hey, listen and learn from people with different styles, different ages, different races, different genders, different professions different camps of people. So when I was a young communicator, I kind of leaned towards the kind of young reformed camp. And then, so I was listening to those guys. And then I remember that I went and listened to another guy that is not from that camp, but is one of the, you know, leading one of the largest churches in the nation today. And he is a masterful communicator. And so do I agree with everything that he does? No, but the way he communicates is so captivating and compelling, especially with an unbeliever. So I learned from that. And then for me, you know, I like watching comedians, guys who aren't believers, but they communicate for a living. So the way that they will tell a story or the way that they will deliver a punch and then revisit it 15 minutes later, I mean, the callback for me, there's so much value in just watching how other people that I, I wouldn't normally listen to the way that they communicate it. It's, it can be really helpful. Sometimes it just makes you more well-rounded. It will fill your voice out and so that you don't just sound like everyone else in the camp that you identify with most. Yeah. I love it. So that would be, you know, not just, again, not just verbal communication, but that's leadership, you know, people who have, um, done something similar to what you've done from people who have done something completely opposite uh, of what you've done. Uh, people that lived 200 years ago, people who lived a thousand years ago, uh, you know, things that works that are endearing, uh, they generally are so for a reason. And so what can you learn uh, from, from, you know, people that are dead and, um, and just, you know, uh, if you are, you're a subject matter expert or you're really good at one thing, you also need to understand the opposing 
uh, viewpoints of those. Yep. So if you can't, then you probably don't know your position as well as you think you do. If yep. you couldn't articulate uh, how someone would take the exact other side. So all of that, uh, really, really good. Uh, number three, uh, embrace who you are and who you aren't. What do you mean by that one? Yeah, there's just an encouragement to go on a path of self-discovery to really know exactly how God has wired you. So, you know, inventories can't tell you everything, but they can tell you something. So it's it's good to, to do a variety of inventories. I remember one that I did years ago and uh, it it showed me that I'm that I'm a feeler. Like first and foremost, I'm a feeler and I was in a room full of values driven people. And it was funny because the inventory had different symbols for different personality types and everyone in the room, their symbol was like a judge's balance scale. Mine was a pink heart. And I was like, all right, that (laughs) could not, that is not what I was hoping for because everyone in the room knew that. And guess what? You know, that became the joke for a long time, but it allowed me to just realize, you know, that's how, that's how God has wired me. And so, uh, you, you just want to go on a journey of figuring out who you are and who you aren't. So I'd encourage you pay attention to what energizes you because that's a really good thing. What energizes you might not energize me. And at the same time, pay attention to what, what drains you. Like I've got friends who, man, you show up someplace and they won't sit still until they have met every person in the room. They're going to work the room and then mm-hmm. they're going to leave like with adrenaline pumping through their veins. For me, that is exhausting. Like if I, if you put me in a social setting for hours where I don't know anyone, I will make the most of it and I will meet people. And at the end, I'm going to need some alone time for sure. And yeah, and I'm going to need to hydrate. So that pay attention to what drains you pay attention to what makes you anxious you know uh one of my friends he's an enneagram seven so he loves the adventure of sermon prep like there are some saturday afternoons where he's been like yeah so i haven't started preparing you up for tomorrow morning and i he's not worried about it at all like he's i don't know when he prepares I know he's going to get it done and it's going to be great. But for me, man, I've got my process so that when I get up on a Sunday morning, I feel like I have done the work that I need to do to be prepared. We're very different personalities. So for me, that is not how I'm wired. So to try and be that would not be a good thing. Pay attention to what comes naturally. You know, one of my friends, man, you put him in a room with a bunch of billionaires and he can just work the room and he'll raise a bunch of money for me i can do it but again it's not the thing that just comes comes naturally and so i I just encourage you to to explore and open yourself up to some truth tellers some people that they can wound you and it'll be okay you Mm -hmm. know the wounds of a friend can be trusted so for someone to look at you and say you know what i love you this isn't your a gift or this is your A gift. That is really helpful. That way you're not going to try and invest all your time in what you think is your A gift when it's really not. Yeah. Has anyone other than your mom told you you can sing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if not, we got a problem. That's exactly yeah, that's, right. Uh, yeah. He is so good. Um, you know, a practice I, I had, I should, honestly, I probably should reinstitute it. But anytime I had just an amazing day, like I went home and I'm talking about a, a normal day, not... Pam and I are in an all-inclusive vacation, you know, on a beach. Not not that day, but, uh, you know, it's a Monday through Friday. And I'd go, boy, that 
that was a great day. Yeah. And I would try, what I would do is I would write down uh, all the things that I had done that day and um, where I felt, uh, how I felt, uh, what I thought was going on there. And, and I would just, you know, in six month increments, go back and look. Uh, what were the common denominators um, really on that? Good. And you could do the same with, awesome. with with those that pretty much this is on my calendar and I see it 30 days out and I dread uh, that it's there <laughs> and I'm, I hate it when I get there. What What is that? Yep. You know, and that that's your job. Uh, if you were trying to save for your kid's college, you can actually outsource that. You can say, here's some money. You, you figure it out. I don't want to worry mm-hmm. about that. This one, by and large, you don't get to outsource that. You, right. You're going to have to pay attention to that. That's Someone right. else can pay attention to your kid's, you know, college fund if you yep. can, if you can swing that. Um, but we have to pay attention right. uh, really to ourselves uh, if we're going to embrace who we are, uh, as well as uh, who we aren't. Okay. Um, so number four is to find your message. And what do you mean by that? Yeah, I just mean figure out what you carry a unique burden or passion for. So when I say find your message, we as followers of Jesus, we already have our message. It's the gospel. So if you're not using your voice for the sake of the gospel, then I would just encourage you to start today. There's never been a better day for you to start using your voice for the sake of the gospel. But when I say find your message, I'm just saying that God might have birthed a unique burden or passion inside of you. So for example, for me, one of those things for me is uh, the the battle that I had with pornography for seven years when I was in high school and college, that that has been something that I've carried a lot of passion for to help other guys step out of pornography. So I actually did more schooling and devoted my writing work to specifically helping college students battle pornography. You know, I'm half Palestinian. I care deeply about the Palestinian people. And so that, and I've even thought over the last few years, what does it look like for me to use my voice for the sake of Palestinian people hearing the gospel? So those are unique burdens that I feel like God has given to me. Not not everyone has those burdens. And so you have to figure out what it is for you and then figure out how you can use your voice for it. So good. Yeah. A lot of times it's going to come out of some kind of pain. Yep. You call it a burden there, but some uh, something that happened to you uniquely and you want to save other people from yep. that or you want to help them um, move past that. That's always a good one. Um, you know, what could you talk about just for days? If I yes. could just, you know, and yeah. I know the, the Palestinian uh, issue is something that yep. if I, if, if we you know, put pause on this uh, yeah. podcast here and I ask you, hey, tell me what you think about that, yeah. this would turn into a four hour podcast. It'll be a long form. <laughs> yeah. You've, yeah, got, exactly. you've got some thoughts, yeah, right? Yeah. So that is, uh, that's one of the things that you're very, very passionate about. What yeah. do you find yourself kind of dreaming about? What do you, if you're in a bookstore, what section are you going to uh, go yeah. look at? You know, who are the who are the authors? Why is that? Who do you listen to podcasts? Uh, who do you, what what kind of um, you know what kind of questions do you ask of people? Where do you get inquisitive? All of those yep. are a bit of a tell. And you know, let, let me see, I'm going to expose your craft here a little bit, but it's it's my kind of observation that most guys they've got about five messages truly, mm-hmm. and they just repackage them. It's like, you know, they've got five <laughs> ingredients on the counter and they're out of the, whatever comes out of the kitchen yeah. is going to have uh, some version of those. Yeah, yeah. Obviously that's, that's overplayed, but it's, it's pretty obvious that mm-hmm. most people, they, there's a few things um, that they're really, really passionate about. That's one of the reasons why, you know, if you can in a church, um, you know, afford the opportunity to bring in different voices because you, you can be a little bit myopic. You're going to, you're going to focus right. in on the five things of this one guy. Yeah. Uh, but if you can have varied voices, you're going to get exposed to all the things that are, you know, the entire council uh, right. of God. Um, 
but uh, yeah, that's, that's really good. And uh, it's a process. Um, anything else that's been helpful for you just in finding your message? I think it's been, uh, it's, it's sharing with other people and them speaking back into my life. So for example, when it comes to the Palestinian people, I remember a friend, we were just, I was at a conference, we were walking down the hallway and she just said, you know what? I think God wants to use you with the Palestinian people. When she said it, tears came into my wow. eyes. Like I wasn't, I don't know what prompted her to say that, but what it did was it was her identifying, hey, you are someone that has a voice that not many people have when it comes to this specific topic. So just, you know, and just seeing where God's naturally using you. When I was uh, at Texas A&M leading Breakaway, man, I just, so many of my counseling appointments with, with students was revolved around pornography. It was like God was saying, hey, this is, I'm, I'm taking something from your past and, and I've given you the ability to speak to it in a way that other people can't. Yeah. And so just having that awareness that God's already using me in this way, or I'm thinking about something that a lot of people aren't. That's God trying to lead you to your message. That's good. Yeah, a lot of times, it's been my observation that a lot of times people don't know what they know, mm-hmm. uh, meaning they're really, you know, really fluent in this thing. Yeah. They're really articulate when they talk. They, they see the needle move, but they just assume everybody can. That's right. And they and it takes someone from the outside going, like, you understand, not, yep. you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny, but a lot of people couldn't find Palestine on a map, that's right? right? Yeah. But but you know all about it, yeah. And um and so that's you know you could think that pretty much everybody else does, and, and they don't. And yeah. so there's God's up to something there uh, that really is um, so much of the value of outside voices. But w- what is it that just seems so obvious to you? And ask around yeah. if anyone else uh, finds that as obvious yeah. as you are. But I bet they don't, and I bet that's part of uh, part of the message that you're going to find. And it takes it takes time and uh, and, and a lot of attention. So um, this this next one, T, I I didn't expect to see on the list, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's fantastic. Address your insecurities. What do you mean by that one? Yeah, the bottom line is that your insecurities will come out in your voice, and I'm not just talking about your verbal communication. I'm just saying. Hey, every, every leader, every communicator has insecurities. You, you do have them. And so you need to address them because they're going to come out. So for me, my greatest fear is mediocrity. It is. And so that shapes the way that I prepare. And that also, when I'm operating in the flesh, that shapes the way that I process through a message that I just gave, you know? And so, um, even in sermon prep, if my goal is to be amazing, then uh, then that's going to influence what stories I tell because I'll start going for mm-hmm. the humor instead of like, hey, God, is this even a story you want me to tell? So that's just me being honest that there have been different times in my past where I've pushed play on a on an illustration and the the point it was making was probably a four or five out of ten. But the laugh was a seven or eight out of 10. And I considered it a win because it was scratching the itch of my insecurity. And yeah. so I just tell you that to say, you want to address your insecurities because it it will impact your voice. Maybe you should read your Bible more than watch comedians. Yeah. Well, thank you, John. That's good. I noted. Thank you. Yes. I mean, and if that didn't somehow prick you, uh, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Because you've got a thousand little decisions um, every week, honestly, yep. about, hey, I'm going uh, to give in to this 
or uh, I'm going to quip back because I want to be the smartest person in the room or I want to put you in your place. Uh, I want to be shown uh, as having the power here, whatever it is, uh, because, because of insecurity. I recognize that and I'm, I'm going to run from it, not run towards it. There's a thousand of those uh, little bitty decisions. And, and what gets scary is when you don't begin to pay attention to that, then you, know, you could turn into the funniest communicator in America um, and you wouldn't serve our body very well. Yep. Uh, and you would give them, um, you would give them a meal, um, that is, you know, it's cotton candy. It's a lot of fun, That's right. uh, but it is not, uh, any type of spiritual meat and we will be worse for it. Yep. Um, so really, really good. What else are you going to say there? I was just going to say one of the things that I've asked people in the past when I've been counseling with them is, Hey, what question is your heart wanting an answer to? So hmm. figuring out what the question is of your heart, like, am I, uh, desirable? Am I significant? Am I respected? Am I powerful? Am I lovable? Am I what? A, there's some am I question inside of you. So for me, it's if and we we ask it in our flesh. Ultimately, Jesus is the one who answers the the longings of our souls. But for me, in my flesh, it's am I significant? Mm. That's the question. And if I'm not careful, I will use my position in leadership or communication to try and answer that question. And when you do that, that is when your insecurity shows through your leadership and your communication. Okay. That, that is a really big idea. When I lead, when I communicate, I'm trying to answer the question, or, well, in my flesh, I'm trying to answer the question, am I significant? And I use my my pulpit, my platform, my position to answer that question. That, uh, that, that's going to be one that I'm thinking about uh, at the end of the day. Can you expand on that or give me, can you help me understand that a little bit more? Yeah. So I think for me, if the question inside of me is, am I significant? If I'm operating in the flesh, then the way that that will come out in my leadership is I am going to name drop at certain times. I will if, if I'm somewhere, if I'm at a conference or I'm at, it will be about who I'm meeting, who I'm connecting with, because by interacting with certain people, it makes me feel more significant. You know, after a message, it will be to go and check social media. Hmm. And so I've had to put hmm. things in my life. Like I, right now I am not on social media at all. I'm not checking it or looking at it because for me, it, it feeds that question in an unhealthy way. So for me, it's like, I, but I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy who's, who's clearly name dropping because that, you know, it, when you hear someone name drop, <laughs> you're not impressed by it. You're like, that guy is insecure. Like he feels a need to say that or to say, to tell people what I've done or what I've accomplished or what I just spoke at, all of it is, it's insecurity. It's like, I just, do you think I'm significant? I don't know if you do. So I need to put some gasoline on the fire and in hopes that you would, your, your view of me would increase. That's really good, brother. That's really, really good. Yeah. I don't think you'll, you'll never find your true voice. Yeah. You can say a bunch of stuff. You can lead, you can, uh, but you're never going to find your true, probably helpful voice uh, if you don't get it. Uh, your your arms around that one there was so so yeah. good. Uh, well, this next one dovetails really really nice. Um, this last point on things to do: uh, cultivate your character. What are your thoughts around that one? 
So where that one's coming from, John, is honestly, there was a season in my life. It was in my early 20s. I was actually an intern here at Watermark. And the reality is, and this podcast is turning into confessional time. I feel like I got baited into this. T- T.A. laying down on the couch. Sure, yeah, so. We've turned yeah, lights down a little bit. Yeah. Thank you, Doc. Um, but uh, there was a season in my life in my early 20s where my talent outpaced my character. Mm. And so I felt like uh, people were putting me on a stage because of what I could do. But in the end, my life was hypocritical. Um, And so it led to me having to step out of ministry for a season just because the Lord really needed to break me down to build me back up to a place where my character uh, and my, my talent matched, if that makes sense. So I tell you that just to say, you know, people will celebrate you for your talent and people will cancel you for a lack of character. So, you know, everyone wants the spotlight, but you just have to remember when the spotlight's on you, it reveals the cracks in your character. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not cultivating what is internal, then eventually that's going to become apparent to a lot of people. And, uh, and so you just don't want that. Don't let your talent outpace your character. Uh, because when it does, nothing will mute your voice like cracks in your character. People won't want to follow you because they don't trust you. You know, and people don't wanna won't want to listen to you because they they don't feel like you're saying something that you're actually living out. So good. Man, this uh this turned out a little bit different than uh, you know, three or four happy clappy points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be one to grab your journal, which and it's all so, so good, brother. Okay. So those were uh, six things to do. And then you rattled off. Um, I've got four yep. uh, things that we should avoid. And the first one was self-promotion. Yeah. This is just kind of, I mean, with the staff, it was like a junk drawer. It's like everything that didn't fit. It's like, here's just some things that I've either uh, learned the hard way or just by observing other people or stuff in my own life. So I would encourage you avoid self-promotion. I just, you know, when I was leading Breakaway, there were people who would reach out to me and say, hey, I'd be happy to speak at Breakaway. And it was like, I'm sure you would be happy to to speak at Breakaway. Thank you for that. But, um, you know, for me, my my encouragement is you think about David. David knew he was going to be king. And yet, the, right after he was anointed king by Samuel, where was he? He's back in the field mm-hmm. with the sheep. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had opportunities to take the throne. You think about Saul in the cave. and But yeah. David, he waited patiently for probably 10 to 15 years until God put him on the throne. And so he trusted the Lord to put him where he wanted him. And so I just encourage you with the same thing. Like, it, you won't have to reach. You won't have to grab for the place God wants you to be. That's it. That's it. With any of those uh, Old Testament narratives, um, uh, there's a sense God works it out in spite of. Yeah. And um, yeah. And, and I, I was just with the residents uh, just a second ago, and we talked about Paul. That you know when he uh, when he was converted, he didn't uh, spin up his social media uh, platform. He went to Damascus and yep. just was kind of quiet yeah. and was learning. Yeah, that's right. And um, and so watch the self promotion. It's uh, what's so tricky today is that's just kind of the way we communicate with mm-hmm. each other through 
um, social media. We're just we're promoting ourselves, yeah. and I think we've lost probably the, the way alarm bells would have gone off in our hearts five, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. It's just normative yep. um, now. We we probably need a bit of a wake up call yep. uh, around that. It was really yeah, really good. good. Okay, number two was conformity. So we're supposed to avoid conformity. Conformity. What I mean by that is conformity is just becoming who other people need you to be in order for them to think you are enough for them. Does that make sense? It's just becoming who other people, who you think other people need you to be. So I'd just say the more you are who other people need you to be, the less you'll be who God made you to be. And so it's just, hey, look, don't, don't wear Saul's armor when you're David. Yeah. You, hey, you know what? You don't have to dress like everyone else dresses. You don't have to talk like everyone else talks. You don't have to preach like a, you just have to ask. The, you can learn from people without having to be, be them. That's really interesting. I, as you say that, T.A., uh, we were in a meeting last week. It was, a, it was an important meeting, I think, in, in the life of our church. And you came in and uniquely offered a perspective. You offered a question. Um, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look at me yeah. like you don't. Know yeah, no, yeah. I know. It was yeah. really profound. And you know, I had I had done my pre work, and I was ready to go. And I had uh, I probably, and I don't mean this in any really weird pejorative way, but I had probably conformed to the um, the way that meeting would normally mm-hmm. go. And you just pulled a curveball out, and like everyone was going. <laughs> it was such a record scratch moment, and. And I loved, it was like, this, I think uniquely, this is what I can uh, offer to this conversation. Mm. It's, it's going to come out of left field. Uh, but could you guys indulge me just a little bit and yeah. let's just run with this? And, and I thought it was just, it, uh, it was so productive. And you could have said, you know, here's my three ideas yeah. on X topic and things like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I just saw you do that recently and uh, and it served uh, our whole team well. Mm. So um, Thanks, I, man. Yeah, that was really cool I to see. I appreciate it. Um, okay, third one to avoid comparison. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I, you know, <clears throat> Leon Festinger popularized the social comparison theory back in the 1950s, and the idea of that is that we figure we figure out our value by looking around at the people around us. We figure out what our what our worth is, and that is that's so unnecessary when you're doing kingdom work. I was just talking about this with with one of my sons last night, and what I told him is, and this is what someone, a friend of mine told me, and what I told him is, hey, you don't need other people to lose in order for you to win. Like in the kingdom, he was like, but that, I was like, no, it. there are some times where you need other people to lose in order for you to win, Like if, but that's in a competition. Soccer. And so it's only when you're in a competition. So if you bring that into the ministry world, the only time you need people to lose is when you're in a competition with them. There's never a need for competition when you're on the same team. And so, John, when you win, I win. Yeah. And uh, But our tendency is to think we need other people to kind of fail so that we can feel like a success. And so we look around, we compare each other, and that's why we kind of hold people at arm's length because in the end, we we can't fully celebrate them because we're comparing ourselves to them. Okay. So you're laying down on the couch, you know, you're just being vulnerable and you're <laughs> spitting the stuff out. It's all great. But how, how do you fight that one? Because I feel like it's, uh, it's an epidemic. Yeah. Especially yeah. with oh, social media. Oh, it is. It is for sure. And I think, you know, for me, for example, I mean, this happened, this happened not too long ago. I was, I was at a conference and uh, watching different speakers speak. 
And when I, when I left, I just had to remind myself, but that is not who God has called me to be like that. God is not, God has given each one of us a unique stewardship. And in the end, I'm going to have to give an account for how I steward my life, just as you are, just as any pastor in the world is. So I'm not responsible to live someone else's life, just my life. And so, you know, it's, it's when I get my eyes off of what God has called me to do that I begin to compare it because I'm looking around at the people around me to figure out whether I'm succeeding or not. But in the end, it comes down to what has God called me to do? Okay, let me be faithful to do that. And if I'm faithful to do what God's called me to do, it might not be enough for some people. Mm. Mm. And that's okay. Mm. That's really good. For me, I should say, it's, it's, I have to do a lot of mental reminders, you know, of what, of what is true. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so you're getting a death grip on uh, what's my calling, what's my lane, yeah. I'm going to stay in it. You know, for me, I think um, it's affirming, encouraging other people and, and their wins, you know, yeah. celebrating uh, with them. Sure. Uh, which is not all, I'm competitive is as probably much as your sons are, you know, except I'm an old man and it's a little bit weird at this, at this stage. And, um, it's one of the only things I know is to just like celebrate, Hey, what you did was amazing. And I actually can't do that, which makes it, it's so cool to watch. And so cool to watch you do what you did there and the impact you had. That was incredible. Yeah. And that's one of the ways I can just kind of, you know, drive a stake uh, in that, you know, incorrect thinking and, um, and that, that comparison. So it's, um, it's really being, good. John, it's, it's being Jonathan. If you think about, mm-hmm. you think about uh first Samuel 18, they're coming back from battle. And what do the women from the town come out singing? They say, Saul has uh, killed his thousands, David is 10,000. Yeah. And that was like the, the match that burned Saul's life to the ground because he started comparing. Yeah. But what happens in the first six verses of that chapter? You see Jonathan giving David everything. Now, did Jonathan lose? Well, you could say, well, he, because of David, he didn't get the throne. But you know what? He played his role yeah. in, in helping David become who he was supposed to be. And so he was a success. His life was a success. And he was faithful to do what God called him to do. And so it's just, you just got to choose. You're either going to be Saul, you know, or you're going to be Jonathan, both from the same family, but two very different responses to someone who God's using. I love it. Okay. Last one. Bring us home. Um, Passion without wisdom or tact. Tell us that one and then wrap it up and tell us um, what we should do as uh, as an action item from this whole podcast. Yeah. My point with that was just, you know, uh, passion without wisdom or tact can be really, really devastating and destructive. You can, you can say the same thing two different ways in mm. one way will really, will be really, really hurtful and demoralizing. And another way can be really encouraging and, uh, empowering. And so, you know, I see that with, with, the younger generation, you know, that was me in my, my twenties. It's, you have a lot of zeal, but that zeal, if it lacks wisdom or tact, you know, a fire is good, but you, in the boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You gotta have boundaries around it. Yeah. 
And so that's that's my encouragement there. That's really good. Okay. Um, um, so you, you put together kind of some action items uh, for us, just ways to kind of try to drill down on this. Any uh, Anything you want to say to tee that up? Well, there it's just a list of questions. The, these are not from me. I didn't come up with them. The friend of mine, Bo Hughes, uh, wrote these questions, and they were really helpful for me as I was finding my own voice. And so I just encourage you to to take to take these questions and to sit with the Lord on them and journal through them, and you know, just make yourself available to the Lord on it. And then I would encourage you to process your answers with a few trusted people in your life who can either affirm what you wrote down or just uh, ask you to double click on it a little to kind of dig a little deeper into it. But I hope that you find it to be a productive process. I love it. Well, that'd be a great exercise too to do with your team. Yeah. Your honor team, your lead a team. Uh, you've got a small group, um, just to say, hey, let's listen to this. Uh, everybody listen to this. Let's fill this out. Let's yep. have a conversation. Because it really, we've talked about this, I feel like, ad nauseum on this podcast. One of the ways we figure out our gifts is from the feedback uh, and encouragement right. of others. And so uh, this is a team sport. This isn't just you with your journal. Although yep. that's definitely a part of it. You have to pay that's attention right. more than anybody else. But uh, bring the community uh, of God in, and I think that will uh, really, really help you. T.A., thank you so much. This was excellent. Uh, I hope people will listen. I hope people will interact. In a, um, I hope people will just see this as a process. Yep. And it, it, this isn't going to be uh, listen to this podcast and now you've got um, you know, kind of this straight line to follow for the yep. next 40 years. It's going to be a process. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs and some things you thought were the the voice and it wasn't and because you wanted it to be, but it, you know, you'd kind of... Uh, deceived yourself. That's not really who you are. All yeah. that's going to happen. Be kind to yourself. Um, lean in, pray, ask for um, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and uh, have a lot of fun uh, yeah. during this discovery process. That's so good. thank you, brother. Yeah, uh, thank you. Friends, thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, we can always be reached at clp at watermark.org. That's clp at watermark.org. We'll talk to you again next time. Yeah.